Welcome back. back. Welcome back. Season yes. five, episode three. Woo-wee. It's going to be a good one, y'all. We actually were going to do this one for the second episode, but like thought that the movement one was much more appropriate for all the things that was happening, you know, at yes. the moment. So, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, but before we get there, friend, actually, um, I wanted to, uh, wanted no. us to address a, no, a minute before just we jump kidding. In. How are you? What's good, oh. sis? <laughs> <laughs> in. You are here. We are back. We sure on. are. We sure back. My bad. It's been a whole month. It has. Life happened. Yes. Yes. What is good? What is good? How are you? How are you? I am. Mm, I'm good. And I, I'm just, I'm enjoying right now, like a season of gratitude mm. of um, just, yeah, just settling into like what is, um, I'm back at home. No, I do not live in Nashville, but <laughs> I often come here again. <laughs> Um, and, um, I've just been having some really loving conversations with my dad, um, just about things of life. And it's just been so good to be with him and listen to his wisdom. My dad's 80. Oh my gosh. He turned 82 last wow. month and he's just seen so much. And so, um, and if you want to know about my dad in some previous podcasts, I do talk about him. Um, and he's like, just one of, yeah, I love him so much. And so it's just been a really fruitful time to like be together and to be, um, and just to be grateful for just a small moments. So mm -hmm. I've been, I've been resting in that and cherishing it. So I'm good. I'm That's good. so lovely. Mm -hmm. Oh, and just for our listeners, you said home, where is home? Home is Nashville. Okay. But my home home is the D.C. Maryland area. Right. Right. right, right. But yes. Yeah. That's my, where. I, and I guess here's the thing. Home is where my family is. And my family is in Nashville. Yes. My immediate okay. family. Love. I just wanted to make sure people understood what you meant when you said my home. You. Yeah. Thank so you. lovely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. So with me still going through this very... um hard uh grieving and healing time um but I feel like I've gotten to a place um that has really helped me to like function <laughs> to release that's that's the the place I'm at now um so all the feels still but there's a level of releasing that feels really good um mm where I'm just letting go of things that are not mine, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, letting go of things that I cannot control, letting go of things that um, do not serve uh, a really good purpose in my healing process. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm the type of person who wants to do all the things to help all the people, to you know, and even in this time of mourning, there was a lot of that happening. Um, <laughs> I just can't even share all of it. But at some point, um, I don't know, it just felt really good to be like, yeah, I don't that's not mine, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so allowing things, um, just releasing things so that I can heal, um, mm -hmm. fully heal. And um, yeah, just so that I can move on, mm -hmm. you know, um, because you have to move on, you have to mm -hmm. move. And that doesn't mean forget. That doesn't mean mm -hmm. it has no significance in my life anymore. It just means I get to live, you know, mm -hmm. um, with the pain, but also I get to live. So mm -hmm. there's a little bit of that happening. And, mm -hmm. um, I cut off all of my locks and that was Looking a whole nother release. Good. Yes. Let me tell you something. Tell Let me. me tell you something. Okay, because I wanted to do this. Uh, I wanted to cut my locks off last year. And I was too, like, afraid, you know. I have a lot of, like, internal things that go along with um, 
fear of of not being feminine enough, fear. There's just a lot of stuff uh, mm-hmm. from my youth that comes up when it comes down to hair, to hair, when it comes down to um, being your whole feminine self um, mm-hmm. as a woman uh, or, a, a, you know, a femme, however you identify, right? So when I cut my hair, it was a lot. And I was... I was like, all right, it's going to be a big change. But then I got, I got it done, done. You can't tell me nothing. <laughs> I love to say. Not one, one thing. Not one <laughs> thing. Y'all look good. I just. <laughs> done. Okay. Listen. Done. It's. And the thing is, right, it's not even about looking more or less feminine. It's just like, I feel like this is who I am. It's just Mm. like, and some, you know, I have gotten most of the compliments I've gotten was like, you didn't always have your hair like that. A couple of people said that. And I was like, bro, my locks were super long. Like, Mm -hmm. I I looked so different. I don't, Mm -hmm. but it's just that whole like. This is you. And I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I look amazing. Mm -hmm. So uh, these are all like whatever it is. It's just me shedding, releasing, letting go, healing. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm at. So grateful that I get to be in this part of this journey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And you're actually reminding me to the time when I was 21, I decided to do like my first big chop mm-hmm. and I'll never forget. My dad came to visit me in college and it was the first time. Yeah. He'd ever seen me with like all natural hair. And he was like, ah, you are finally who you are. You look oh. like, like our, and so my dad's from Burundi. That's like my ancestral family's landed Burundi. Um, and all the women always wear their hair short. Like, mm-hmm. and that's just, and it, you know, it, it, it just fits our faces, our bodies, the way that we hold our heads, all this thing. Mm. So yeah, it was so beautiful to like, yeah, that you're finally one to have your parents say, oh, I see you now, right? Like for who yeah. you are. And, and, but then it's all also connected to how coming into this country being raised as like American and the whole connections to hair and expressions of hair and how you want the world to see you, how you feel like you want to be seen. But um, yeah, there's just like a lot of connections. So I just like appreciate you sharing because it does make me reflect on like, yeah, when my own experience of cutting my hair and kind of, yeah, the shift that it has and then you being able to see yourself and be like, that's me. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. And mm-hmm. it really is something powerful about mm-hmm. cutting your hair. Yeah. Starting over, beginning again, mm-hmm. all of that. Definitely. So, yeah. And we're just going to stay on that topic about the hair thing. <laughs> we could go further into other things. Um, yeah, we could. <laughs> we could. We won't today. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. So... Now that we've <laughs> shared where we are, it's slowing down, which is Yay. so appropriate for this, mm-hmm. this episode. Yeah. Um, I wanted us to first answer a question from one of our Patreon supporters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Eric Hoffer. Uh, so just so you know, we are on the Patreon. You're on the Patreon. So patreon.com slash for collar girls. And we would love it if you would become a Patreon supporter, join our community. It's a great place to ask us questions and to get responses, written ones, as well as ones we will answer on our podcast like we are today. Mm -hmm. Um, Just didn't need to do that little plug before (laughs) before I uh, asked the question. But Eric Hoffer asked this um, question about... Um, what it looks like for us to heal collectively, um, but having individual and different wounds that heal together. Um, yeah. So I think that's the gist of his question. I'm not going to repeat the whole thing. 
Um, yeah. Did you want to, <laughs> did you want to start with that friend or? Yeah. I mean, this question is a lot of layers. <laughs> There's a lot of layers that are there, but first I want to say thank you, Eric, for being a Patreon supporting and thank you for sharing this question. And I also hope more people, as you listen to um, either it's this season or the other seasons that we have, that you continue to engage with us. Um, and I want to right? and again, like there, there are so many layers and I think a point of um, connection for me that like, I think I, I want to start is like, what is our understanding of healing? And so the first yeah. part of this question, what collective healing might look like when people are experiencing different wounds? Um, and what Tanika and I have talked about since the beginning, right. Is that like healing is a process. Yes. Um, you, it's not, it's not necessarily something where like you land, but it is a journey that, yeah, we take individually, but also we take collectively. Yes. And I think when I think about what, what, uh, what collective healing looks like, um, always has to center the consent of the individual and um, in the community. Because I think often, sometimes we make assumptions of what healing looks like for other people yes. and they're not ready. And, and, I, and I think kind of just to jump in, what I have seen in multicultural spaces, right? Um, and Resma McKinnikin talks about this um, in his book that we referenced in the last episode about the different embodiments between Black and white people. I'm not mm. going to jump into that. I just invite you to read my grandmother's hands to hear what he says about that. But I think one important thing that I think about is there are often assumptions in multicultural spaces that I've experienced here in the States where either I would say specifically white people assume what healing is needed for the collective. Yes. And I think we have to be very careful. Again, healing is a process. Healing is both an individual. And when we move into healing as a collective journey, um, we have to be conscious to the fact that everyone in the community has to consent that this is how we're going to move towards healing together. Yes. And when we assume of what healing needs to look like, um, we then silence other people's experiences, other people's realities, other ways that they need to engage in um, their own healing to show up fully. And I think that's the other part of healing too, is like healing comes from an authentic space. You're not doing it for anyone else. Like you're right. really doing it for yourself. And so when you heal in a community, like you're all showing up authentically. Um, yes. And I think there truly is this danger when um, you enter into a collective space that says they want to heal, but they haven't done their work. So they're like making these assumptions of how people should move. And it's very dangerous and harmful. And I think the one last thing I'll say on this topic is this is why I stress for affinity spaces for black folks, for white folks, for brown folks, for indigenous folks, because there are things that we need to do in the shared experience of community that we can't always have in those multi spaces and that we shouldn't have because often, and I'll say this from my experience, often in the spaces that I have been in, where, um, right, there's multiple cultural experience present where folks have not checked their privilege or positionality and they say they want to heal. They just wound everyone else all over again. And as a Black woman with my own work in healing, I'm yes. like, what the hell? Why? Why, yeah, are you why, here? You why did you come? Anything. Why did you come? Mm -hmm. And again, <laughs> what I see is that that individual this person, this community has made an assumption of what the whole needs to do. And that's not yes. fair to anyone. And yes. that's not healing, right? Nope. That's not healing. So those are my two cents. That was, that was like a whole hundred dollar bill. Also <laughs> very good. Really didn't need, I don't need to add anything else. I think that is 
That's the answer. Um, I'm especially, no, but seriously, I'm especially, uh, I really, really appreciate the point you made about consent. Because mm. I actually think that healing, even in an individual sense, is still something that is collective. Like, because my healing in turn allows me to be a part of the healing of my community. Right. So, well, what may look different for me, it, you know, is going to look different for you, friend. Like mm-hmm. when we consent together, mm-hmm. when we both consent to a collective healing together, mm-hmm. then we're willing to check in with each other. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. no assumptions being made, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just mm-hmm. repeating what you just said. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Well, that's good. And this may transition us into, into the rest of our episode for today. But in, um, ooh, let me get the title right. Let me get the title right. Because y'all know this episode is going to be packed with resources. So yes, get your pen and it notebook. is. Take notes, mm. y'all. Yes, we got it. So on Sunday, um, Buddhist priest Zenju Earthland Manuel, it was in conversation with Dr. Paula Aria. And the conversation was called The Transformative Power of Ritual and Ceremony. And it's recorded. And if I find it, I'll drop it in the chat. Um, But one of the questions that was asked was around like, how do I heal? Well, there's two questions. There's one about like, um, confronting ancestral wounds. Yes. And the other one was like, how do I heal my ancestral wounds? And Earthling came through. She was like, um, this, you know, she was polite with it, but she was just kind of talking about um, that healing, healing is a way of being. And then she also did this like wonderful um how would I say it? She set a boundary, Earthland set a boundary, excuse me, um, between the spiritual world mm. and the human world mm. and saying that the spirit has, um, and our ancestral spirits have been released from suffering, specifically human suffering. And often the healing that we talk about is less about what our ancestors need to heal from and more about we need to heal from, from the relationship with our ancestors. Yes. So when I think about like this collective healing again, like, yes, this conversation on consent and also being able to show up again, like fully as you are, because ultimately in, and this is what Earthland said, in the healing practices that you engage in, you're not only healing yourself, but you're healing the seven generations. And I believe that is, that is an African spirituality understanding, right? Seven generations before you and seven generations after you. Right. And I think it, so just to kind of, I, I think with that question, and I think for all of us who are listening and like wondering this um, discernment between individual healing, collective healing, ancestral healing, I think we have to understand like where, how is our understanding of healing? Um, what is at the center of it, right? Is the center of it, um, uh, is the center of it this desire to be whole? Mm. or this desire to be right. And I do think those are two different things. Yes. 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 I'm going to pause there because I think this is another episode. Um, But I I appreciate that question. I I appreciate that question so much. It is another episode, but it's... (laughs) Yes, we go, we're going to get it. Okay. Gonna, that being thing. said, yes, 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 yes. Go, go. When I mean being right, I mean when we take ancestral spiritual practices of knowing and we intellectualize them for the purpose of knowledge set within a framework that our ancestors never designed for us in the first place. So there's a difference between being right and being whole. And now I'm going to leave it at that. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Drinking her water. Um, 
And that's the end of our episode. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> that was so, that's really on point, friend. Um, mm, mm, mm. What is at the you center? Gotta, you gotta interrogate it. Mm. So, that being said, if wholeness is at the center, which is where we're headed, where we're trying to share um, with this with this season. Then one of the things that has really been a part of my own journey of healing, um, and I think true for you too, friend, right, um, is healing in ritual mm-hmm. and the rituals that um, we take on, the rituals that are common to us that we do sometimes without thinking um, and being intentional around those things um, and centering wholeness um, in our healing. And so that's what this, this was episode. Wow. That's what this episode is about is healing as ritual. Um, There's so much. (laughs) It's hard to begin here um, because there's just so much, but I do want to add a little caveat about ritual. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I think in our cultural, uh, sorry, wow. I think in our culture, um, the word ritual has been used and misused. Um, On one end, it's been overused to mean everything from a routine in the morning to uh, creating a healthy habit. Right. So and those things are I in no way am saying (laughs) that they don't exist or are not good, but we're not talking about your morning rituals where you create good habits. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Like drinking water in the morning. Beautiful. Wonderful. Continue to do that. But that's not what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And then on the other end, um, which I do find in a lot of our more evangelical Christian settings, um, the definition and use of ritual is often equated with a lack of the spirit's ability to move within our worship and within our connection to God. Um, And I have read a lot of these uh, very... I'm trying to find the nice word for it. Um, you don't I've, need to find nice. Okay. You I better just, say it. You okay. Say it. <laughs> All right. Well, don't I just nice. have read a lot of uh, bullshittery on the internets from, um, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, some well-meaning spiritual people who um, say that ritual in a lot of ways is not necessary in our connection with God and specifically point out that when we do ritual sometimes in liturgy in churches that um, a lot of times people do them just out of happen happenstance or habit and they lose a sense of connection um, and lose a sense of like um, space for the Holy Spirit to move in that um I disagree, (laughs) if you did not know. Um, But I just wanted to address that first before we got into what we are trying to define as ritual. Mm -hmm. So um, that is not what we mean by ritual. Neither one of those things. We don't mean something um, that is creating a habit and we don't mean something that keeps you or that is defined as being too... um, too stern in its practice that you cannot connect to the divine. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Neither of those Mm -hmm. are what we mean. Um, In fact, um, ritual in its, in its essence is a connection fully. Um, Yeah. It it is. So, yes. So, um, So this is where we come in with the resources. So get your pen and your notebook. Um, I love this book and Mark, my beloved, got it for me as a surprise. And I was like, where did you find this? He's like, oh, it was a post. I was like, okay. 
but the book is called Sacred Sacred Pampering Principles, An African-American Woman's Guide to Self-Care and Inner Renewal by Debrina Jackson Gandy. Um, And of course, we'll drop that in the notes. And Debrina defines ritual as an action or activity that has greater symbolic or spiritual meaning. A ritual is an action or activity that has greater symbolic or spiritual meaning. And Debrina continues to say that ritual is powerful because it takes you beyond the visible, the rational, and the obvious to grasp a larger and deeper meaning. And I love this because, you know, similar to what you said, no, ritual is not habit. It is an opportunity to connect and invite the divine um, into our lives. And I think that, um, I think what's unfortunate and and what is something that you also shared too, is that there are sacred rituals in the church that have become habit and we have forgotten the connection of the divine. And we'll, we'll talk about that later. But so when I hear that, it just makes me think about, of yeah, what are the rituals in my life that um, have a deeper sense of a meaning? Um, and, you know, as we shared, I think it was in the last episode about the cohort we were together and Liberate Together, led by Erna Hackett and the invitation to create an altar, right? Yes. Um, and, you know, I have... There, I think there's different iterations of altars that I've created over time, whether it has been for like different worship settings and, um, and I've also seen beautiful altars for like annual conferences that I've been a part of. But when there was an invitation to create the altar that I needed in terms of items that affirm, hold me and also invite the spirit. It was like, it made me kind of actually look around because I kind of had a certain altar, but then I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, wait, this doesn't give me life. Oh, this, this doesn't serve me. And it helped me just reassess about like, oh, what are the things or words or just that connect me to the divine that I know and who deeply knows me. Um, and so like the practice of putting that together and now to look at where my altar is and, and to be very clear, these are not things that I worship, but they right. are things that connect me to who I worship and yes. who the divine understands me to be. Yes. Um, has has just been such a powerful process. And I think the one last thing I'll add to is in that same book and section in um, Sacred Pampering Principles, Debrina says that there are three important pieces of ritual. Um, the first is the ritual object, um, which of course I talked about, like, you know, the objects that I have on my altar. And I think one of them I'll just share is like the special bird that was made by... Um, It's called a comfort bird. It was made by Dal. May he rest in peace and power Mm. uh, at my first church. And Mm. he hand carved these birds from old church pews from the church. Wow. And he gave them to people who were in um, hospice or had lost a family member. And like whenever I did church visits, I also passed them out. And having that on my altar was just one of significance of the incredible ways that God speaks to me unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also like the care and comfort that like that I that I need and deserve. Yeah. Um, and then so we talk about ritual objects. Um, she, Debrina also spe- specifies a sacred ritual time. And then uh, she ends with like an altar as one of the three aspects of healing. I mean, healing, sorry, this is part of healing of ritual, three aspects of ritual. Um, So yeah, um, you know, ritual being this thing that you need, this this practice and action or activity that has greater symbolic or spiritual meaning that's connected to the divine, that is, and a ritual includes an object, a specific time, and an altar of whatever, um, or whatever you need it to be in that moment. So 
I love that. Thoughts on that, friend? Yeah. So I have, I have a couple of altars in my home, um, and I want to offer also that like ritual um, and having altars is also a way to connect with your community, um, your community of saints, uh, the community in which you were surrounded in. Um, so I have an ancestral altar, um, and it's important to me because of, um, the many aspects of my identity that I am aware of and the things that I am not aware of. And so I've been on this journey to connect with, um, every part of who I am. Um, and that is not only like, uh, like the things I know, but the things that I do not know. And how does that inform me in the life and the path that I am taking now? Um, because yes, our connection with the divine is, is, uh, the thing that grounds us and our connection with, um, our ancestors and the holy and the spirit, um, is also something that guides us. So um, I have one of those, and I think that that is something that is um, very prominent in many cultures, um, but has in a lot of ways not been fully acknowledged among a lot of us. Black people um, <laughs> in not uh, black people who were uh, are a part of uh, those who are enslaved in these United States. That is not to say that that is new or that is not something that many of us do. It's just that we haven't um, always been associated, um, especially in the Christian church um, with having ancestral altars. Now, that cannot be, that may not be your experience. And if it's not your experience and you are a person of um, African descent, um, enslaved people here, uh, and that has not been your experience, you have always had an altar or you have always been connected to your ancestors. I really want to hear more from you. I truly do. Cause I like, I'm exploring this and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I know that it is a part of our history. I know that it is a part of our culture. Um, we just haven't always had, I mean, we have had the conversation. Mm -hmm. It just hasn't been considered a norm. And actually, I think, unfortunately, a lot of us have been removed from such customs, mm -hmm. um, like far removed mm -hmm. where we, we kind of demonize some of those things, yeah. um, because they don't live within the Western Christian, um, kind of handbook mm -hmm. and it's so unfortunate <laughs> mm -hmm. because um a lot of our ancestors they were forced to be christians mm -hmm. and uh they took that force <laughs> and then they were like okay and they adapted it in a way that still allowed them to be true to who they are and were yes. and yes. to be authentic and to fight against the evils mm. of racism and enslavement mm -hmm. and mistreatment and dehumanization mm -hmm. is actually the connections made mm -hmm. with our ancestors, mm -hmm. with spirit. Mm -hmm. And I can continue on um, <laughs> um, that actually empowered a lot of us to continue on, um, and to fight. So I just, I have really been hearkening back to something that I feel has always been right. That is considered more of an ancient practice, but is also have, has always been, um, and it, it's been very empowering actually, um, to learn not just about, the people that I come from, but to learn the lessons that they have, you know, that they continue to guide me with. Um, mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. it's very beautiful and worth uh, exploring if you so wish to. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that because it almost like as you're sharing, 
I just see that like there is this journey of being able to revisit moments um, with new eyes, right? And an open heart to that isn't, you know, we're coming back to this thing, like what's at the center, right? It's at the center, it's not empire at the center, isn't, um, you know, this, I just this, um, what I want to say, like the demonization of something, but actually a deeper understanding of, again, like what it is that you need. And also like, that's a part of your community. And I just wonder for any of those folks who like any of y'all who are listening, how in this conversation and even like your own exploring and understanding, like you can have a new relationship with ritual in your life where it's not about habit. It's not about, um, an empty practice, but it is about like, how do you know and connect with the divine in you and in your community in a deeper and a more meaningful way? Well, one of the things that I wanted to to point out is that ritual in itself, like we were saying, is also very much a part of the Christian uh, experience. Now, I know that like a lot of the westernized Christianity has gone, you know, done away with a lot of those things, or at least have simplified it to um, be symbolic, right? So the Holy Eucharist communion, whatever we call it, for some traditions, again, it's just purely symbolic. It has no, it's just a remembering, right, of what Jesus said. But in its essence, mm, beloved, it's a ritual, I think it is though. And it's so a ritual. it's a ritual. Um, <laughs> and, you know, again, other cultures, many cultures have other rituals that are connected within our own spirituality. So uh, there are funeral rituals, um, which again, not all of the Christian traditions do them, but for many cultures, they're still done. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it doesn't mean that you're not a part of the church just Mm -hmm. means that you have these meaningful ways in which you, um, care for the bodies of your beloved. Um, which then (laughs) kind of brings me to the story that I wanted to share. I'm not going to actually do a storytelling so much, with this one just because of time. And also I think there's a lot of conversation that we could have around it because it's just a very beautiful and different story. But, um, in all of the gospels synoptic and John, there is anoint, there is an anointing um, that happens for Jesus. Um, or a cleaning or a purification or something. Um, but the one that um, really sticks out to me is actually uh, a story that was uh, preached on um, the past Sunday um, from our recording. And it's the story of Mary uh, uh, from Bethany who anoints Jesus's feet with very, very expensive and a lot of perfume. Um, And she wipes his feet with her hair and the whole house is filled with this perfume. And um, there are a lot of commentaries around this. Some of them miss the mark completely um, because they talk about stewardship, which is weird because like if you read it, it doesn't say that at all. Um, there's a really beautiful, there's a lot of conversations around the intimacy of it, right? This woman who, you know, breaks all these social norms, um, her hair is out. She's using it on a man's feet. She's anointing him in front of all of these people. People are like, what bro? Like they're so shocked by this, like, Um, this very intimate experience that's happening in front of them. And then Judas, we know about that guy, right? So he's not even like really concerned about anything. This is why stewardship is not part of the story, beloveds. Mm -hmm. But he's like, you know, yo, that's expensive. (laughs) 
wanted, I, I can't wish what it is today. I'm gonna like, like, yo, that's expensive. We could have used that money for the poor. That's it's like that. Yeah. I hear that. <laughs> that was some expensive stuff we just used. Anyway, but <laughs> oh, uh, Jesus points out that like, um, so Jesus in response to this like obvious distraction from what's happening um, to the point that people were just like pretty uncomfortable, right? Um, and it even says in the story that like, like John leaves no space for us to interpret, you know, uh, the, the gospel of John. It's like, and Judas did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. <laughs> He sound like a thief, though. Yo, that was expensive. Like, anyway. <laughs> anyway, Jesus is like, yo, leave her alone. You know, um, it's intended um, that she save this for my burial. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so there are several ways to interpret what she does, because there was a ritual, um, back to that word, uh, where during this time, um, when Jesus was, you know, here, uh, that you would either anoint, use uh, expensive perfumes and anoint a king or someone who um, you considered um, royal. Um, so there's that. Right. So she is acknowledging Jesus as uh this king right and i know we have some issues with like using that language but you know someone who is worthy of being anointed with such expensive things but also there was a ritual in which you would anoint someone who was ill um and you would anoint the dead um and so all of these things are connected And this ritual of anointing the dead, especially specifically was done with nard, which is what uh, is said that this perfume was um, or is assumed this perfume is. Right. And because it's such a strong smell. Right. And it helps you combat the smell of, you know, decayed bodies. So. Her doing this is also her acknowledging what is to come as Jesus is preparing his way to the cross. Um, And so there's just something really beautiful about this story that really connects in my headspace right now um, with our conversation around ritual and um, what it means to truly connect with the divine, mm-hmm. um, to do something um, because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and for Mary of Bethany, specifically in the Gospel of John, let's not confuse them, okay? Um, for Mary of Bethany, she recognizes something is happening. Mm-hmm. And so she does this beautiful, very intimate, very like, it's just so many ways you could like interpret this story Um, and what is left for the people to truly um, be a part of is this very overwhelming smell. And that is also something um, that I want to point out when it comes to ritual is that it is an embodiment of, Mm -hmm. of our connection. Right. So It's not just about the altars. It's not just about the objects. It's the embodiment of really connecting Mm. um, and in working towards this wholeness that we are trying to get to. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, In our identity, um, in in us being authentic, um, in our intentions, all of that is about the embodiment of it. Mm -hmm. And um, that being said, I also really want to share this quote because I think it's so good. And I know there's just so much. We're sharing so much, y'all. So um, take notes. I know yes. I am. <laughs> I hope I'm saying his name right. Um, hold on. Elder Melodima Somi. I want to say that that's how you say his name. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Um, so he, uh, is no longer on this realm. Um, but he, uh, was a writer. He's from Burkina Faso, um, scholar <laughs> and just, I, I have this, I found this book that he wrote, um, uh, called ritual power, healing and community. And he just really talks about the, the beauty in ritual and how it combats this world that we live in. That's very fast paced, like, like the modern world of technology that like keeps us moving and, you know, um, And I just want to read the quote that I found um, in his book. He said, thus, speed is a way to prevent ourselves from having to deal with something we do not want to face. So we run from these symptoms and their sources that are not nice to look at. To be able to face our fears, we must remember how to perform ritual. To remember how to perform ritual, we must slow down. And I think that that is a beautiful connection with this story um, with Mary, because everybody else is around celebrating at Lazarus's house is after Lazarus is, you know, walking again (laughs) among the living because he was dead. He was dead, y'all. He was dead. So that's a whole nother connection. Anyway. Mm So they're at Lazarus's house and Mary shows up and slows down. And we've talked about this already, what the healing is. But this ritual she does, it kind of forces everybody else to pay attention. It does. And um, yeah. And Mm -hmm. there's no denying this very Mm -hmm. like like intense smell (laughs) Mm -hmm. that is, you know, permeating the space. There's no denying this very uncomfortable and awkward experience that they're all like, like watching right in front of their Mm -hmm. eyes. Um, And I just think that it's such a beautiful reminder to us in our connection Mm -hmm. with the divine to slow down, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. to take it in, to, to really, you know, face what is. Um, Mm -hmm. And Yeah. And like, I've taken that personally for myself, like to really face the truth, to face what is, don't Mm -hmm. run from it. Don't Mm -hmm. speed through life. Don't, you know, just take it in, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's another powerful gift of ritual is that is another tool for us to slow down Mm -hmm. um, and to connect. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to offer that also as a, as something for us to take in. So that's so good. And all that to say, this was a great episode. I'm glad we ended on that one. Uh, yes. Thank you. Thank you, though, for the invitation to hold both. Yeah. And the balance of, yeah, the balance of escaping because we can't be on, especially emotionally on, at heightened emotionally on. And yeah. Um, and that there are times where ritual and meditation service, and there are times where um, we just need to take a step into Bridgerton for a little bit, or whatever Listen, it is that you're watching. Whatever and it that's is, okay too. yeah. But I, I just think that there, um, I appreciate that because, like you said, we're not um, wanting to center shame or center judgment, or um, it's just like, yeah, how do we get whole? Uh, and that's the purpose of the season, right? Yes. Like healing is, we've talked about movement. We talked about ritual. We still have so many more beautiful episodes to talk with y'all about. Um, and yeah, our prayer for you is that you have a deeper understanding of healing Yes, and that every day uh, that you're moving to a more whole um a deeper sense of what that means for you. Um, yeah. And we hope that this is, this is a part of that. So, 100%. Yeah. And, and here's an offering. If you are looking to find your way through your journey and I invite you to consider an altar of some mm-hmm. sort, it can be super small. It does not have to be 
like super duper spiritual. You don't have to have everything on it. It could just be something really simple that you get to go to intentionally and you make a space for you to connect. So that's the invitation for this this episode. Um, and yeah, just know that we appreciate you. We appreciate you for tuning in. We appreciate you for the questions and um, feel free to challenge us. Listen, this is a whole conversation. So whole conversation. Yeah. We are a whole community. Yes. We're calling girls. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you. We want to shout out to our Patreon supporters and thank you, Eric, again for your question. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, I, and please continue to support our Patreon. If you do not have it, go to patreon.com backslash for college girls. For college girls. Yes. College like the greens, y'all. College like the greens. We also want to thank our editors and our all around amazing people from Pure Vibe and how they have just really brought us back to life. Uh, <laughs> they keep us on. Y'all, we we just, you have no idea. Um, <laughs> love so them very much. Um, so thank you, Pure Vibe, for just really, for everything that you do, um, helping us with our brand and everything. Um, and thank you, all of you. Thank you for listening. Thank I have you. gotten... People have really, people listened to you the last episode. I've gotten some really beautiful, kind responses. Mm. Thank you so much for the love that you all shared um, and just care Mm. (laughs) Um, during this time. It has been very difficult, but I really do feel surrounded in love. So thank you for all of that. And yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Yes. Yes. We are. For college girls. For college girls. Peace, y'all.